1041 and a good morning friends. My name is Nick Reed and as usual it is hopping here at Scramblers. Uh, not only do we have our Friday road show as we do every Friday that thanks to affordable towing, but in addition, it's Veterans Day so we're having that Heroes Breakfast which means you have until 9 this morning to come out if you're a veteran or bring a veteran with you. You can tell them you're buying them breakfast, but really it is uh, all thanks to Scramblers of course. Serenity Honors, Delta Roofing, and Air Services, Heating, Cooling, Plumbing, and Electrical. And uh, given that it is not just Veterans Day, but a hero's breakfast, Grandma Mary is here with us this morning. We missed you last night. You're you just back and forth between Wisconsin and here, <laughs> Wisconsin and here, and, and so it's good to have you back here. Well, first of all, happy Veterans Day. Yes. I am so glad. The veterans that are here are home. Welcome home, every each and every one of you. Love you to pieces. Uh, yes, this is Grandma Murray with those our Veterans Coalition. And wow, we have had one busy, busy, busy month. Uh, started out with um, uh, parades and uh, Willard. By the way, they they were honoring women on that Veterans Day. Nice. All veterans, women. Nice. So I, bought the t-shirt as i said um i was at branson well branson's parades today branson so, always does such a great job yes. with, for veterans well yesterday i was in branson too and wolf for vets that's an organization yeah. one of the members is beverly simmons and she put on a show at the um the mansion there were some there were 16 veterans there from world war Two. Korea, the Cold War, and there was a couple of us Vietnam vets thrown in for good measure. We just happened to slide in. You youngins. Yep. And um, what was really amazing is, um, uh, well, I walked in expecting to give a two and a half minute thing, and I wound up as mistress of ceremonies. But I've got a great joke to tell you. Okay, let's hear All right. it. It's clean, two, right? Yes, it is. Two of the brothers came was from California, one was from Texas, and one of them picked up the other one and brought him in. The older one was a World War II veteran, and he was a Marine. The younger one was uh, from Korea, and he was Navy. And when they were talking about traveling back and forth, the younger one said, well, you know that um, when the Marines need a ride, they call the Navy to make sure they get there. It's kind of like Mar- the aren't the navy's being uber for the marines and i thought i ju- the whole place just cracked up that was the funny thing well anyway that was a clean joke <laughs> and i was clean like, it was it clean it was listen we've had uh on um november 5th we had the immaculate conception had um a great chili supper and so maybe next year we can get that going on the 19th we're going to be at mike's unique and that's on the corner of the bypass and um, west bypass and sunshine and we're going to be there in the afternoon um and so um i want to let you know we're going to have a stand down for the homeless at the vfw uh post 3404 and 
Uh, that's 1136 East Atlantic. That is going to be on the 23rd. They're going to be providing meals there. I heard there's a great restaurant that's doing it, so everybody that wants might like to go there. Uh, but they, I always ask, what can OVC do for you? Well, you can imagine what they said. We would like cookies. So I have been baking 400 bags of cookies, and you know I don't put one in. <laughs> uh, so we've been kind of busy with that. But you know what? Um, Anything for my brothers and sisters. That's what, the way we do that. Um, December 3rd, we're going to be at uh, the Walmart on Independence uh, for our last fundraiser of the year. And so we hope to see everybody out there. Remember, not only is it a fundraiser for us, but any veteran that needs um, help, whatever it is, where we'd love to have them come and talk to us. We'll set something up and get whatever done. We're building ramps. We just had, uh, we're teaming with the kitchen, and they're sending people that are making their way out of homelessness into a home, and they may need a, a ramp because they've got a wheelchair or something. Wow, what a great honor it is to help them get on their way. And of course, you know, we do scholarships for those that um, are veterans and are going back to school. So that's what we're doing. And I want to thank everybody for this whole year. You know, the Wolf for Vets gave out 75 dogs to veterans this year. We've got veterans all over wanting and needing help and the veteran organizations are coming forward in droves to make sure that they're helped. Um, we don't wait for the federal government to do anything. Uh, we've got to do it ourselves. But uh, So this year I'm so glad to be with you and I know that probably we won't be seeing you until the end of the year but we will be listening. Well, thank you, and I'm glad that you had safe travels back from Wisconsin. It's always great to hear from you and to get cookies. Thank you for that, Grandma Mary. Have a wonderful weekend, and happy Veterans Day as we continue our Veterans Day broadcast. Also a hero's breakfast here at Scramblers. Free breakfast until 9 a.m. for all you veterans. Let's go to Jason Ryman and get the latest news update. The Greene County Sheriff asking for your help solving a murder that happened 10 years ago. 27-year-old Jamie Richardson was found in the James River at the Crichton River access east of Springfield back in March of 2012. There have been no arrests made in that case. A woman in Ozark County gets five years probation for a shooting that happened last spring. 56-year-old Rhonda Sprague of Gainesville pleaded guilty to two counts of second-degree assault. Prosecutors said she fired shots during an argument last May with her son and his girlfriend. Two bystanders were hit and they were taken to a hospital for treatment. George Lawson reporting. The El Dorado Springs School District has decided to let trained teachers carry a weapon on campus if their application is approved by the school board. That decision comes after an increase in school violence across the country. Some teachers, though, say they're not okay with the idea. The district has one school resource officer to protect its schools. Ozark County voters passed a law enforcement sales tax, giving the county another $400,000 to fix the jail, add more deputies and patrols. The sheriff had to cut patrols this summer because of the budget. I'm Jason Rima, Springfield's Talk, 1041. First alert forecast sponsored by St. Clair of the Ozarks Home Improvements. Uh, clouds are slated to clear out at least to some degree later today, leaving us with uh, some sun and a high of 37. 
Isolated flurries possible tonight, down to 25 for low, wind chill 18. Sunny 40 tomorrow, wind chill 16. Sunny, 46 on Sunday. And then Monday, there's a chance of afternoon showers with a high of 46, but those temperatures overnight dropping down into the upper 20s, which leaves us with a chance of snow. Traffic update now. I'm Nick Reed. You're listening to Nick Reed in the morning on Springfield's Talk 1041. Sarah Myers, everyone. Pyramid Roofing Company will not be joining us today. Josh. I know, Joshua. Josh. Well, that's because he's been incredibly busy, and rightfully so, with all of the crazy weather that we've had this week, and uh, more on the way. So if you find yourself in that situation where you haven't had your roof looked at in a very long time, maybe you feel unsecure about moving into this cooler weather, highly recommend giving my friends over at the Pyramid Roofing Company a call today. They can come out, do a free estimate for you, do that roof inspection. What they'll do is they'll get on your roof, take tons of photos and videos, make sure that you're not missing any shingles, make sure that you're not having any leaks. And if you are, they have got you covered. They can get you on their schedule and get your roof in tip-top shape before that cooler weather hits the Ozarks. Now, you can find all of the contact information for Joshua and the Pyramid Roofing Company at ksgf.com under the Sarah's Endorsements tab. And here, Red State bombshell about those FBI informants concerning January 6. While we've all been heavily focused on the election, the New York Times dropped an important story about January 6 that many did not notice. Remember when Senator Cruz grilled an FBI official about FBI or confidential human sources who may have been involved or had knowledge about January 6. Now, this is based off of just what we've seen over the last couple of years regarding the FBI and their involvement in what capacity, I suppose, is up for debate in a number of these instances. Of course, a very prominent example of this is the Gretchen Whitmer kidnapping, where you had three quarters of the people involved working for or on behalf of the FBI. And those that they, it was the FBI, our government, recruited, literally recruited these individuals to kidnap the governor and talk them into it. And, and there were times in which, and this was all learned in the trial during court testimony, that the these individuals, the few that weren't part of the FBI, were not wanting to be part of it, and they they were doing everything they could to convince them to do it. And then eventually swoop in, arrest them, have a big press conference before the election so that we could all see how horrible Trump supporters were. And the one thing that was clear is none of it would have even come close to happening if the FBI had not set that up, because those individuals didn't even know each other. They were brought together by the FBI. And so then there were numerous other events that were occurring in which it was clear there were FBI agents there. And they began to get mocked. It was one of the events around the Capitol, not January 6th, but uh, in which people were taking photos of these guys standing around, all dressed alike, all had the same hair. I mean, it was so obvious that they were FBI that it was laughable, and it got to the point where they were being mocked. And so the natural question was, given that the FBI had not only been involved in numerous instances, but cultivated 
the 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 situations themselves. What about January sixth? It would just be such an odd place for them not to be, given the the habit of being involved in these different situations. That combined with the fact that you had some of these individuals that were on tape that were clearly trying to stir people up and tell them we need to storm the Capitol, and yet you know one person in particular, of course, was given a free pass, not prosecuted for it. An individual that was called out as being a Fed by Trump supporters on January 5th and 6th, saying, you're a Fed. Ray Epps is the name of that individual. Well, it turns out that one of the top people, we hear about the Oath Keepers all the time, right? Oh, the Oath Keepers. These are the real bad guys. The, the Oath Keepers were the, the real conspirators here planning, plotting to overthrow the government on January 6th. Well, according to the New York Times, the vice president of Oath Keepers, guess what? Working on behalf of the FBI. According to the Times, an FBI informant who was embedded for months in the inner circle of Stuart Rhodes, the leader of the Oath Keepers militia, is likely to testify as a defense witness at the seditious conspiracy trial of Mr. Rhodes in connection with the attack on the Capitol on January 6th. The informant, Greg McWhorter, served as the Oath Keepers vice president but was secretly working on behalf of the FBI and reporting the group's activities in the weeks and months leading up to the Capitol attack, according to two people familiar with the matter. Now that, right there, brings forth the question, so if they were really planning on something, why did not the FBI stop them from carrying it out? So here you have this trial, and one of the witnesses the vice president of the organization that was planning this January 6th insurrection, was working on behalf of the FBI, and the FBI let it happen. See, these are the reasons that when Republicans take control of the House, they need to not shut down the January 6th committee, but continue to do an actual investigation so that these individuals can be brought forth and ask these questions. So they can ask Greg McWhorter or any of those within the FBI, including the head of the FBI, why was it if you had an informant embedded with those that were planning an insurrection, did you allow it to happen? Why did you stand back and let it play out? Because after all, this was something that did result in one death directly, that being a veteran, an unarmed veteran who was shot by a Capitol Police officer. And according to this testimony, the FBI knew it was going to happen. The New York Times continued that Mr. McWhorter is the second known FBI confidential source who is in a position to provide information to federal agents about what the Oath Keepers Uh, before January 6th, raising questions about why investigators did not know more about the attack on the Capitol. Near the start of Mr. Rhodes' trial, Abdullah Rashid, a former Oath Keeper from West Virginia, told the jury that he became alarmed by the violent language that Rhodes used during a video conference with members of his group and provided the FBI with a recording of the call. 
Rashid testified, the more I listened to the call, it sounded like we were going to war against the U.S. government. Officials at the FBI did not respond to Mr. Rashid's initial attempts to contact them and only reached out to him after they allowed January 6th to happen. The FBI also had a confidential source in Kansas City chapter of the Proud Boys in the months leading up to January 6th. That person, a low-level member of the far-right group, marched with other Proud Boys in the Capitol on January 6th, but in meetings with the government before the Capitol was stormed, he told investigators that the organization had not planned to attack the building to stop the certification of the 2020 election. That was in addition to the fact that the head of the Proud Boys had also been a government informant in the past and just coincidentally was arrested before January 6th, so he wasn't at the site of the riot. Even the New York Times snuck in the obvious question here, if the FBI had all these contacts and they're claiming it was some prior plot, why wasn't it stopped beforehand if it was a seditious conspiracy and not a spontaneous riot? This is why the January 6th committee must continue under a Republican-led Congress. Springfield's Talk 104.1. I'm Nick Reed. Hear about it. Hear about I, know, it. I know I'm beating a dead horse here. Talk about it. Talk about but it. the hypocrisy and the double standards kind of unreal. On Springfield's Talk 104.1. You're listening to Nick Reed in the morning on Springfield's Talk 104.1. Veterans Day, also a hero's breakfast. Gary Ellison with us on our flight to the Ozarks. Get us updated. We uh, saw the the la- a couple of weeks ago, two three weeks ago, the final honor flight of the year, correct? Yes, and then the homecoming. Correct. So, so what's uh, what's left in the year? What do people need to know about honor flight of the Ozarks on this Veterans Day? Well, we are uh, in the process of uh, cleaning up. Uh, the kind of things that you have to do to run an organization. We have five new board members that are very, very impressive. Um, Colonel Tom Marty, U.S. Army retired, and uh, Ron McCall, U.S. Army, U.S. Air Force retired. Charlie German, who's retired from Shrine of the Holy Spirit. Chaz Copen, who is the owner of Cafe B-29 down in Ozark. And Gary Ducey, who's a retired law enforcement officer and retired U.S. Army. So they are new with us, and uh, we're glad to welcome them on board. This year has been a real success, Nick. Um, The organization began in 2013, and since then, we have taken 1,442 veterans on a trip to Washington at no cost to them. And uh, this year <clears throat> was a real success. We had uh, 238 veterans on our flights this year. We did three. Um, each flight cost between 140 and $150,000. And uh, so we've been busy raising money because our budget is about 550000 and it takes that m- amount of money to be able to do the three flights and the four buses on each flight and uh, all of the extra things that go along with that. Um, and there has been a little bit of a uh, misunderstanding about who's entitled to go on an honor flight. Um they are open to anyone 
who has had an honorable discharge from World War II era, the Korean conflict era, <clears throat> the Vietnam era, and the Gulf War, they're all eligible to go. And, you, Nick, you don't have to have served in combat to do that. If you were in the military and you received a, a honorable discharge, you're entitled to go with us on one of our flights. We've got three flights scheduled next year. Uh, tentatively scheduled in May, August, and October, and we really welcome anybody who would like to go and really have a meaningful day, um, and it really is. Um, it's pretty easy to do. You go to honorflightoftheozarks.org, and you can uh, get an application, And or if you want to go as a guardian to help these veterans go through their their day of honor. Why uh, you can get that application at honorflightoftheozarks.org also. But uh, I really want to emphasize that you don't have to have served in combat to do that because it takes everybody working in all facets of the military in order for the military to work. So uh, there we go. All right, excellent. And I can attest to someone who's gone as a, a, a guardian, there is no better money you'll spend and no better trip you'll take than that to not just see those those monuments, but uh, also just living history uh, still with us. And uh, that's an experience that uh, you just, like I said, cannot duplicate. And so we'll get... All the info, including the applications, up as well. Gary Ellison on reply to the Ozarks after Veterans Day. And uh, stay warm this weekend. You bet. It's cold outside. Yeah, I know. I know. It is. We got 35 it. degrees yes. when I came in this morning. And I don't think it's going to get any warmer anytime soon. Probably Gary Ellison, not. thank you, sir. Appreciate thank it. You, yeah, Nick. absolutely. Springfield's Talk 1041. I'm Nick Reed. You're listening to Nick Reed in the morning on Springfield's Talk 1041. And now, Sarah Myers. About my friends over at Beatles Property Maintenance. Now, first things first, Beatles is spelled B-E-A-D-L-E-S. And, in fact, I actually need to give Bruce and the Beatles Property Maintenance team a call because we are going to be hosting an array of family events as we move into the holiday season. And I have quite a few repair and maintenance items that I need the Beatles Property Maintenance team to do. Now, if you are in the same boat as me, I highly recommend giving Bruce and the Beatles Property Maintenance team a call. They can do a variety of home repairs and maintenance. Some of those smaller items, maybe you need new ceiling fans, maybe you need new light fixtures, maybe you want a new bathroom remodel in that guest bathroom that hasn't been used quite so much, or maybe you have some bigger name jobs, maybe a crawl space issue, maybe mold remediation, water restoration, Beatles Property Maintenance, they can help you out with all of those things. Now you can give Bruce and the Beatles Property Maintenance team a call today. You can find all of their contact information housed under the Sarah's Endorsements tab at ksgf.com. First alert forecast sponsored by Navant, employee benefits that work. The sun is supposed to come out today, high of 37, isolated flurries, 25 for a low tonight, 40 for a high tomorrow, but wind chill only around 16, so it could feel really cold with that uh, wind cutting through you. Sunday, sunny, 46. Partly sunny Monday with a chance of afternoon showers, 46. So showers potentially turning to snow into the overnight hours Monday night with a low of 28. As you may recall, uh, 
We heard over and over and over again from the media, from Democrats, specifically from Joe Biden, that democracy was at stake at this election. Now, when you tell people that democracy is at stake, that means if you, you know, if you vote this way, then we will continue to have democracy. Uh, now, of course, I know you know we're a republic that utilizes the democratic process to elect certain offices and to vote on certain things, but we are a public. But the commonly used term democracy, we were told, was at threat. And, and so if you voted, of course, for Democrats, democracy would be saved. If you voted for Republican, it would be over. Uh, some Democrats claiming, even office holders. Secretary of State, I believe it was Colorado or Arizona, claiming that this could very well be the last election if Republicans win. This is what they've been telling us. So this the House is going to be controlled by Republicans. The Senate, in all likelihood, is going to be decided in December. So at least half of the legislative branch is under Republican control. And so I wondered, well, what does that mean for our democracy? Is it half over? Is it a third over? Is it How exactly does that equation work? Though so there have been, of course, some interesting developments. One, uh, Biden has said he would work with Republicans, which is really weird. Why would you work in, with people who want to end democracy? That's Isn't that kind of a weird thing? I, I don't know why you would want to do that. I mean, if you are the only thing that is between uh, the end of the country and Republicans, because Republicans getting their way means the end of our country, why would you compromise with that? That that just seems like a really weird thing to me. But Kamala Harris, she has also announced that um, dem- our democracy is still intact. So how is that? Uh, that, you know, it's just weird. Now, you and I know that it was insane, ridiculous rhetoric. But this is what Democrats do, isn't it? When they don't have results to point to, when they don't say, hey, remember when you elected us and, like, uh, your income was here and now it's this much better. The dollar value was here and now it's this much better. The price at the pump was here and now it's this much lower. Uh, The fentanyl deaths were here and we've cut it down to here. when, When you can't do that... You just tell them, well, you have to vote for us because those people are really bad. They're awful. They're racist. Uh, And they're going to end democracy. It will be over if they get their way. The problem with these over-the-top hysterical claims is that at some point, people begin to realize you're full of crap. And they don't believe you any longer. This is why the call of of racism ultimately does not impact the average person anymore. They're like, oh, what a shock. It's racist. Which, by the way, the latest, we'll get to this coming up, Powerball is racist. This is the latest claim being made. Everything's racist. Racist, racist. And it gets to the point where the average person, now you may have corporations that are afraid of the woke people and they don't live in the real world. They're just surrounded by, you know, in a bubble of lefties. And so they think that there's still meaning behind it. But for the average person, it, it's meaningless. You know, homophobic, transphobic, it's like, oh, what a shock. The environment is another one. 
Democrats oftentimes find themselves confused because they will see what are conflicting messages, and that is where people will be polled and they will um, be polled regarding the environment and that, yes, uh, they think we are killing the planet. They hear that message and everything, but when it comes to what things are most important to you, that doesn't rank. And they're like, how does this not rank? Well, because, you know, you tell us the sky is falling a thousand times, we begin to stop looking up. Those of us who have lived long enough remember all of the scares. Those of us who, even prior to my lifetime, read history, read uh, you know the, the articles about the global cooling that was going to occur. I lived through the acid rain uh, scare, where we were told that acid rain was going to come. And I remember being a kid, laying down in the back seat of the minivan, on long trips in the rain and, and thinking to myself, when that happens, will the acid rain, will it eat through the top? What? Where will we go that will protect us? Will in, in, in a metal vehicle, will, will it come through? I mean, this is how they would scare kids. It was acid rain. And, you know, polar bears drown. All of the, it's one thing after another they're constantly telling us. And at some point you go, uh, yeah, you've been saying this for a long time, but it's not happening. So you think about it. Democrats have to claim that now democracy is safe, because if they don't, how can it be under threat next election? Right? They told us if Republicans get in power, and they are in, uh, they will be after uh, January in the House, maybe the Senate as well. They control the Supreme Court, right? Look at all the governorships, all the local school boards, all of these places that we were told would be the end of democracy. And when it doesn't happen, what do you do? So they're out there resetting. Oh, no, no, it's good. It's safe. Kamala Harris says, so we gather here. Votes are still being counted. But it's clear your work sent a message to the entire world. Our democracy is still intact. When democracy is intact, this is what it looks like. She said, here's the thing some Democrats won and some Republicans won. So Republicans can win and democracy is still intact? But it has to be, doesn't it? Because if it's not, then what do you scare people with in two years? And what do you scare people with two years after that and two years after that and and so forth and so forth? But after a while, it loses its sting. People go, eh, I don't think so. And plus, where do you go after that? What, the thing about scaring people, once they're numb to it, you always have to come up with something scarier. So what will be voters who don't vote Democrat be after the semi-fascist label becomes background noise? Full fascist? What happens when that is no longer impactful? What happens once people... It, it becomes recognized that the threat of um, uh, democracy coming to an end no longer has an impact. No longer, what, where do they go from there? What's going to be the next thing? I, I mean, you, you know, if you notice, every single election cycle, it is step it up, step it up, step it up, step it up. And it will be very interesting to see. I, I, I do believe they will bring back the democracy is at stake 
once again for the upcoming presidential election. But again, that can only last so long. Springfield's Talk 1041. I'm Nick Reed. You're listening to Nick Reed in the morning on Springfield's Talk 1041. There's an old saying that as long as Democrats are around, everything's racist. Actually, that's not an old saying. I think it's conventional wisdom, but I've never actually heard that before. Till just now. Now the lottery's racist. Lottery accused of systemic racism after massive Powerball payout. Now your first thought, right? Your first thought is, oh, because black people don't win as much as white, if ever. I don't know. I don't know the race of these people. Sometimes we don't, we don't know uh, the, 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 who, the, the winners at all. They, they keep secrets. So I, I've, when it comes to the lottery winners, I have no concept of race, religion, sexuality, these things that shouldn't really matter, but for whatever reason we're told that they do. But that's not why. A CNN, of course, piece on Wednesday. Can we just stop here? This is this is a, a personality trait of the left. They have to find something wrong with everything. Do you notice that it's it? And there are people this way in life that aren't even involved in politics. It does not matter what happens. They find reason that there's something wrong with it. Debbie Downer. Lottery. Somebody wins $2 billion. Racist. So this is why it's racist. The CNN Peace Wednesday spoke with critics knocking the lottery system as a form of systemic racism that targets poor black and brown communities across America. The largest, because I I don't know about you, but I know as a white person, I did not know anything about Powerball at all. You know, I I didn't see any local news reports. Uh, All of the gas stations that that I go into, where the majority of people in there are white, they didn't even have Powerball. This was all targeting the minority communities, right? The largest Powerball jackpot lottery ticket ever was recently sold in California. Uh, 2.04 billion. The odds were one in 292.2 million to win. Researchers told CNN that despite extremely low chance of winning, state lotteries still aggressively market the lottery and sell tickets to low-income communities at higher rates, thus misleading, Amer- misleading Americans to believe it will help them quickly generate wealth. Well, I'm just going to tell you here right now: the reason that low-income communities purchase these at higher rates is not because they're targeted for marketing. But it's because, generally speaking, not always, but generally speaking, people who are lower income are lower income as a result of their attitude towards money and their attitude towards life. They're more day-to-day people as opposed to long-term thinkers. So they aren't career-oriented, minded individuals. They aren't people that think the long term. They aren't people that are more about saving and see the value of investing as opposed to looking for a quick instant gratification fix. It isn't a targeting of marketing towards lower income individuals that makes them more likely to purchase tickets. It is their approach and attitude towards money. It is the instant gratification. It is the the personality trait that is more likely to want to just easily 
be handed money through a win as opposed to coming up with a long-term plan that takes a lot of dedication and effort in order to actually get to that point. That's why. This is why there are certain industries, just their products are more likely to be purchased by you. Low, you know, low income communities are much more likely to uh, purchase at a greater degree prepaid phones. It's not because they are targeted, but it is because that is their cultural financial decision making pathway. And, of course, those industries recognize that, so you sell to whom buys you. So the piece continues. The communities are disproportionately made up of black and brown people. Critics say the consequence is that marginalized people will be driven into deeper debt by a system that is transferring wealth out of these communities. Les Burnell, the director, the national director of Stop Predatory Gambling, called the lottery a form of consumer financial fraud and a form of systemic racism. According to the research, lotteries are a regressive service with low-income groups paying larger chunks of their budget or games versus their wealthier counterparts. And again, that is attitude mindset. That's because people who have greater wealth are more likely to save, more likely to invest, and not spend money on a 1 in 290.2 million dollar chance that they're going to win something. The piece also highlights how stores selling lottery tickets are more likely to be located in poor communities of every state. The state money generated from the lottery sales often do not feed back to the communities but rather into large or into colleges and higher income school districts. Well, here's your solution. Ban black people and brown people from buying lottery tickets. There you go. I mean, if, if this is something that disproportionately is bad for the black and brown community, let's just ban them from buying them. Let's just make a law. It says that you cannot purchase lottery tickets if you're brown and black. It, 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 right? Would that not be the answer to this problem? Because Lord knows the government needs to protect them. They've done such, or it, the government has done such a wonderful job of protecting the communities of color in this country. Just look at them. Springfield's Talk 104.1, I'm Nick Reed. You're listening to Nick Reed in the Morning on Springfield's Talk 104.1. I think that it was Rush Limbaugh who used to observe that nobody could stop Donald Trump but Donald Trump. That, that he's the only one that could get in his own way, that no one else could. And Donald Trump is, boy, he's just playing a very dangerous game, I think. And and as somebody's clear supporter of so much that he did, and I believe in my lifetime never has there been any president that has done so much meaningful things that were uh, to the benefit of this country is Donald Trump without question. But we talked, he's come out sweet. He he now, uh, last night, he was accusing DeSantis of being a mediocre governor, uh, only got elected because of me, and that he did things wrong when it came to COVID. This morning, he is out for whatever reason on Truth Social, bashing Yunkin of Virginia. What did Yunkin do? 
Daily Wire reporting that um, Trump has followed up on his unprovoked attack of Ron DeSantis with a strange swipe this morning at another popular Republican governor, Glenn Youngkin of Virginia. In both cases, a former president who is expected to again seek the White House in 2024 claim credit for the success of his targets, which is sort of a weird thing as well. You trash on people that you that say you're you know, you're responsible for people that you're then claiming really aren't that great. That's, that's sort of a weird presentation. He said, while the attack on DeSantis was withering, or this is the Daily Wire, while the attack on DeSantis was weathering, withering, the comments about Youngkin include a bizarre observation about his name and a backhanded vote of confidence, saying, quote, Young, Youngkin, Y-O-U-N-G, space capital K-I-N, then he puts in parentheses. Now, that's an interesting take. Sounds Chinese, doesn't it? Youngkin in Virginia could not have won without me, he wrote on Truth Social. I endorsed him, did a very big Trump rally for him telephonically, got MAGA to vote for him, or he could not have come close to winning. But he knows that and admits it besides having a hard time with the Dems in Virginia, but he'll get it done. I don't know, well, I guess I know what the idea is behind this, and, and that is, I, I suppose, to clear the deck of anyone that you think might challenge you for 2024. The One of the problems with this tactic, in my opinion, is you're not going to win, I don't think you're going to win anyone over. Somebody who likes DeSantis a lot isn't, I don't think, going to go, oh, you're right, I'll support you now, but I think it's going to turn them I think he's going to lose people, not gain. Now, I could be wrong on this, but I think he's he is playing a very, very dangerous game here, and we'll see how it all plays out. There's a lot between now and Election Day. Glenn Beck's next. I'm Nick Reed.